And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello there, Eric Crane coming at you. This is Jurassic Pod trade deadline episode. We are, as we speak, uh, 47 hours and no, yes, 47 hours and 54 minutes away from Thursday's 3 p.m. trade deadline. I think it's still 3 p.m. Hopefully I'm not wrong about that. Uh, Joining me, as always, the Jurassic Pods official Winter Olympics correspondent, Holly McKenzie. (laughs) Did you ever think we'd be in a place where, like, at the beginning of the relationship, you had uh, uh, the relationship of our friendship, uh, which French, all friendships are relationships. Um, the beginning of that, yes. you were like basketball tunnel vision. Yes. And I had like all these other sports interests. And now like I have no idea how many medals Canada has. Uh, I have not watched, like the, the Winter Olympics are currently on in the background here, but like I haven't really paid much attention and like every other tweet of yours is about how incredible these athletes are. So we've gotten to a weird place in our friendship is what I'm, or an unpredictable, not weird, just, just unpredictable place. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I love the Olympics and even as a kid. Um, I used to love them too. I have always, like, I didn't really know what I was watching. Like, you know, I never took the time to really understand. Um, but I just love the Olympics. I think as a kid, I didn't even care about the sports. It was just seeing people hugging and happy and like celebrating all the time. Because that's like the best part, right? Is like seeing the reactions and... Yes, the humanity. It's awesome. Um and yeah, I love the Olympics. So I, it's weird. I have a weird sleep schedule as it is, but as weird as like the, the time differences, because they're like 13 hours ahead from that. I think it's 13 hours right now. Um, it kind of works for me. <laughs> like, like I find myself usually still awake at five or six watching them live and <sighs> there's not a lot of people so tweeting and watching at that time. Yeah. So what's what's been the best moment, your favorite moment so far, if you have to pick one? Oh man. Uh I don't I don't know if I have a favorite right now. Um I right. I'm trying to think of what like sport has been my favorite moment. Um obviously I love figure skating, uh, but I love all the skiing. Like that stuff is so cool. Like watching the big air events, like whew. yeah. It's just crazy. Like I don't like I don't understand how you learn you're good at that. And I also don't understand how like as a parent of like a young child, you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to train you in this discipline. Yeah, like like that's that's always been my question about like the aerials. How do you start training for that? Like like what what like what is stage one after like, okay, you know how to ski. Now you're going to do giant flips off of a huge ramp like I guess it's just you start with a small ramp and you get to a bigger ramp and a bigger ramp. But even just, just like even like... just learning the like the moves and the tricks, it's like how 
how do you even teach? Like, it's just crazy. Well, I imagine a lot of that is is using a trampoline uh, would be my guess. I'm Uh, always amazed at how they're able to land without like their knees just like, like I imagine me like trying to do even like the most basic landing from such a height. And oh my goodness, they're incredible. These athletes are amazing. I always think about the knees of, of the competitors, the athletes and moguls. Like they Ugh. must be just shot all of those knees. Like between the moguls themselves and the jumps they have to do. It's wild. And then getting right back. And like the that's what you're being judged on mm-hmm. in part is how close you keep your knees together. Like the strain. Ugh. Not also not speed skating, it. incredible! What a freaking short, short track, crazy! Both I've been watching all of yeah. it. It's just the endurance of like the five thousand meter, like yeah, how it's just wild. It is so amazing to me to see these feats that these athletes are able to do. And I think I used to think I you I would have probably said. I mean, I probably still would say that the summer olympics are my favorite because i really do love the gymnastics and the and the track and swimming yeah but i also love the winter olympics like i think i just love it i love every bit of it and i love how you can not know an athlete's name five like not know an athlete existed two minutes ago and then two minutes after watching them you are like fully invested need to write it on your calendar like this is their next event like i need to see them it's so cool yeah, and that's why TV uh, networks bid hundreds of millions of dollars on it because it is like the greatest human interest story we have. Like, like, and it doesn't even not to say the individual stories don't matter, but there are so many of the stories that some of them will connect with so many mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. Um, that is why they. Uh, they are as hot of a property as they are. Are you noticing uh, a trend? Whenever you ask world. me my favorite anything, I can't do it. Yeah, well, you're a millennial. You can't make a decision. That mm. that makes sense. Uh, neither can I. It's fine. It's like, you can do you math, though. Tonight? That was cool. When you opened up with the hour countdown. I can't do math. Well, it took me about eight hours to figure out what 48 <laughs> minus six minutes is. So I, I wouldn't go, go go feeling great about it. Do you it. consider yourself uh, good at math? No. Like I, 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 I fell off a cliff in the middle of uh, grade 11. Like I was good, 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 good. And then like in the middle of grade 11, it's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Oh. I'm not getting by on my natural ability. And I'm not inspired to work hard enough to be good at it. So that was basically it. I took uh, to the um, point where I, I to the point where I didn't take grade twelve math. Oh wow! I, I think I did. I think I feel like we had to take just like basic math, didn't you? Don't you? Maybe not. Not in. I mean, in Ontario, you, you didn't, didn't have, have to. to take it in grade twelve. Did you have um, to do? You only did. Did you graduate after twelfth uh, grade? Yes. You didn't have the the. No, we were the first year yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the double cohort uh, rep to all you uh, Ontarians born in 1984 or 85. I'm, 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 I'm one of you. I did half, not even half a class, like 20 minutes of a physics class and walked out and was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of this. <laughs> so we went to the office and was like, I need to be out. Like, I can't, I cannot take this. Uh, I cannot take this. I, I get that. I, I was not... A, like, biology was the only science that really spoke Biology's to me. Biology's fun. Yeah, life. I like biology. Um, but you know yeah. what I can uh, take? I can definitely take 
The Raptors winning six games in a row. So I was going to have such a better segue than that. Oh. I was going to say, uh, we've seen chemistry in action. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry. With the Toronto that. Raptors play recently. <coughs> they are on their second six-game uh, win streak of the season. The second six-game win streak, I believe, since New Year's Eve, if, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I am. You are correct. Uh, they had another perfect week, uh, or not another perfect week, because I think they went four and one in between the last podcast, uh, or three and one. Anyway, they beat Chicago at home, uh, 127-120 in overtime, beat Atlanta, 125-114, to and then they go on the road and have a real-life 64 seconds of, uh, we don't call it garbage time here, of of time played in which the result was in hand, which, you know, that felt special considering <laughs> the nature of the Raptors games lately. Winning by 15 on the road against uh, the literally and figuratively defenseless Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets. Um, the Raptors are cooking, Holly. They are cooking. It's been really, really wild to, to see. I... Uh... I said they were going to win all three, remember? Yeah. Uh, again, you were like, I think they'll go two and one, but I'm predicting three and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I thought, <laughs> I, was, I, did, I honestly thought, yeah, I thought they would win in Chicago, and then I thought maybe... At home against Chicago. Or sorry, yes. I, yeah, at home against Chicago, and then I thought the Charlotte game would be difficult, and it was. Um, man, watching the Hornets, it's like, every game you watch them, I just keep waiting for defense, and, and there just isn't any... Yeah, it's funny. They're one of those like that guy, like that guy, like that guy, like that guy. I like all these players. Why aren't they better? Um, and they are pretty good. Uh, and that's why Lamelo Ball got the replacement all stars all star spot among other people. Uh, and I do want to stress among other people uh, over Pascal Siakam. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe we'll talk about it later. Uh, in this in this league in which you know. Championship contenders are having existential crises in which, you know, as we speak today, there have already been two significant trades uh, between contenders, non-contenders. Actually, you know, all all four of the teams involved in the two trades today, like not really serious (laughs) contenders, but we we had big names involved nonetheless. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty and the Raptors are just out here winning games with their seven and a half man rotation, uh, making us a little nervous in the process. But I I think, uh, I mean, certainly having fun and playing, you know, playing a type of unexpected but delightful basketball that reminds me of that, you know, first stretch after the championship in which it was like, how far of a step back are the Raptors going to take? Oh, wait. They are They're way better still than pretty most good. people. So, yeah. yeah, and and it's not quite the same story, but it, it's just more exceeding expectations. And uh, this has been a blast. And, and at the center of it, um, something we thought would be coming, uh, but was confirmed this week, Freddie Van Vliet is an NBA All-Star, the fourth ever undrafted All-Star. Oh my goodness. You know, I normally have my All-Star opinions and I don't really get too upset either way. Because it's all-star and, you know, crazy things can happen, fan vote, et cetera, et cetera. I was so nervous 
watching them announce the reserves. And of course, they went alphabetically. <laughs> Van Vliet is a V. And I didn't know. I was so nervous. But my brain wasn't even like thinking about it being alphabetically as it was happening. Like in retrospect, of course, his name was last. But I didn't like I was nervous. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if he doesn't get announced, I'm going to be really mad. And I realized like this is ridiculous. I shouldn't be mad. But I wanted it for him so badly. And you were at the arena um, when he found out. So how did you did you find out like before the team like mobbed him or like how did that happen on your no end? uh so i i mean i was just sort of following along on twitter it wasn't on tv <laughs> right here in uh canada and uh i was just you know nba tv was tweeting out the all-stars one by one and i was following along at, at some point i figured out I, I think uh who who Zach Levine. When Zach Levine was announced, I figured out that they were doing it alphabetically. Oh, see, you're smarter um, than I am. And, and at that point, I started to do the math of, of who was in and who wasn't. And, right. and like it meant that Jarrett Allen and uh, LaMelo Ball weren't in and Drew Holiday wasn't in. So I was fairly confident see? once Levine came up that he was going to be named. Um, but you know, you're never certain until you see the oh, name. Like uh, maybe Trey Young gets voted in twice. I feel like I'm crazy, <laughs> but it but that that actually was on TV here. Um, was it? Okay, I apologize. The starters, then. Uh, the starters were not, but the reserves were because I like I okay. remember. Well, we couldn't find it on the TV. No, no, no that's fine. I just yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't. I don't want to uh, besmirch the good name of any of the networks. Uh, by by saying something false, so I apologize. Uh, but nonetheless, that that's I I didn't really see the stuff in real time. I didn't hear the scream that may or may not have been William Lou's <laughs> scream that that alerted Fred VanVleet to making the All Star game. Uh, you would say like usually in these cases, like the players get a phone call from somebody in the league. Like, well, did a you see before. the did you see the um, clip the Raptors posted? Um, kind of like the open gym moment of Fred before. The uh, I I have faved it and I still okay, haven't yeah, watched yeah, it. Yeah. Classic. So, uh, That's a classic move, isn't it. it? Yeah. No. I mean, let, my likes are littered with things I've been meaning yeah, to yeah, read or yeah. watch. Same. And the problem is I don't even have a good system. I have likes that I'm I go back to like I mean to go back. Then there's tabs. Then I save things things to Ugh, pocket. And tabs. then it's just I never end up checking it all. Um, yeah. No. It showed him before the game, like coming out of the locker room, and then like you know the TV they have in the tunnel, uh, where the broadcast like where you yeah your, yeah. So he stopped there uh, by Amy and was talking to Amy re- really briefly and was like kind of watching the TV. And then he said like he's like I don't want to stay and watch this. Like I got I'm going I'm going to wait like. 10 seconds and then I'm going out and you could tell it was like it was like a nervous moment for him and oh that's just it's just crazy the way the timing was that he didn't get to like know and just had to go out and like shoot around and wait for the fans to tell him yeah I mean we you don't want to risk spoiling something I get it but you probably could have called like, <laughs> I would think it's at, at like 710 yeah. you can get on the phone with team representative like the media relations team so they can just pull say, the player aside you can you say, can whisper and say this has happened yeah uh cool moment for him Fred van Vliet with the uh big ass week gets what a engaged, guy man. is an all-star he'll be in the three-point competition which I'm not gonna lie I'm, I'm a bit nervous about just because his shot arcs so damn high. Um, I'm wondering how that's going to affect him, but uh, 
more time to get the brand out there, which, uh, which uh, you know, we know he's not going to be shy either <laughs> with his shots or his branding uh, opportunities. Uh, anything stand out from uh, sort of his response to it? Like it, it was, it was really neat to see. I mean, Va- Fred Van Vliet, the best thing about him from our perspective, uh, I, I think, is that he's genuine. And, and like, that doesn't mean being like a blank, like a blank page and or an open book is what <clears throat> I'm I'm looking for. Like, it doesn't mean he'll be completely honest about everything. But when he says something, you can, you understand that he means it. There's meaning uh, behind you, it. And get, also, he's extremely yeah. thoughtful. Yeah. He's an extremely um, thoughtful athlete to speak with and he gives freely of his knowledge or his experience and always appreciate talking with him always appreciate the time that he gives us um but just first of all i was thrilled that demar was in the gym it was really sweet to yeah. see demar come over and give him a hug and say i told you so like you know it's cool to see that those relationships continue even when guys change cities or teams um Fred's journey is just ridiculous. It's hard to believe that in the span of five years, you know, he's gone from being undrafted to a literal all-star. And just hearing him talk about those early days, like being on his knees praying, you know, for an opportunity was was like, wow. Like it really, to me, hearing him say that, um, because we know Fred is an extremely confident person as he should be and he puts the work in and that's why he's so confident in his game and in his journey. But to hear him like talk and acknowledge those early moments where he didn't know if he was going to get the opportunity, like all he needed was the opportunity, but he didn't know if that was going to come. Yeah. That was, that, really it was special. such a, yeah, it was such an interesting way of framing it because he was like, you know, I'm always confident in mm-hmm. myself, but is, you know, when he, he had some say in not being drafted. Like mm-hmm. he was certainly at when he wasn't going in a certain position, his team was trying to point him in the position of of being undrafted so he could have at least a little bit of choice about where yeah. he ended up. And to do that and to still be in the position on day one or day two of training camp of, of thinking to some degree, did I make the right choice? Like he didn't articulate it like this, but like he ends up at a in a situation where you have a all-star point guard, you have a veteran backup in Corey Joseph, and you have a you know point guard of the future who was drafted one year ago in DeLon Wright. And uh in Van Vliet framing that as, you know, I had confidence in myself. I'm on my knees praying because I need people to at least notice what I'm doing out there and and value what I'm doing out there. Um, and you can't, like, as as well as he might have played in that training camp, you can't know mm-hmm. that it's going to be a... It will be enough to get them to keep him. And, that, you know, retracing those steps, really cool. Uh, you know, it's hard not to be really pleased for him i i don't know how much more there is to say he's obviously deserving mm-hmm. uh based on on his year and especially you know the first 30 or 35 games or so he was the player most responsible uh yeah in keeping the raptors afloat so they can do what they're doing now and it was just really cool to see their response around the league um whether it was on tv like the hosts of the TNT show or Draymond or other players around the league, just being really genuinely excited for him and happy for him is really cool. It shows the respect that he 
has, you know, of everyone around the league and, and the fact that he has earned it. It's just awesome. Super happy for him. Couldn't like, yeah, could I think not he's a guy. Happier. Yeah. He's a guy who's had the respect of, of players for so long, like dating back not? to the, <laughs> yeah, dating back to the final. I mean, before the finals, but really the finals, if you remember the aftermath, I, I believe mm-hmm. it was Kevin Durant who said like, that guy's so impressive to me. He's going to have a 15 year career just because mm-hmm. he does think X and think, think Y and think Z. And, and, to go from there to this player's an all-star is obviously a huge, huge leap. But, like, he was, you know, he was your favorite players, if not favorite player, one of your favorite players' yeah, favorite yeah. players. And to go from there to being respected by the coaches and, you know, maybe one day getting that, you know, fan support that allows you to be in the starter conversation, uh, really cool and well-deserved. And, and Kyle, saying that, Kyle, Kyle, speak, oh. Kyle returned to the floor. Kyle Lowry returned to the court. Very, very glad to see him back. Um, In his first post game after his return at the very end of his uh, media press conference, he shouted out Freddie and that made me want to cry. Yeah. Uh, And Fred, as you would expect, very eloquent about uh, Kyle saying he sort of gave him the answers to the test and and it's Kyle's success that drives him or, or in part drives him and he still wants to be better than Kyle. But, uh, you know, it, it's that perfect blend of competition and friendship that mm-hmm. allows a player in Fred's position with Fred's mindset to strive. Um, and uh, yeah, just one of his story will always be one of the more uh memorable and nicer ones in the league and and this isn't an ending but it is certainly a signpost mm-hmm. and and a thing to remember along the way and saying that uh he might be the second most important <laughs> raptor right now because pascal siakam is bawling out of control. I could feel uh, where you since- were going and I was like I'm not gonna mess up this segue just gonna sit back and let him get there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> since December 28th, I had this in my story last night that was mostly on Chris Boucher uh, on Monday night, I should say. But Siakam <clears throat> is averaging since December 28th, 23.3 points, 9.5 rebounds and 6.4 assists per game. When you add those numbers up, you get something like 39.2. I don't know. Uh, but there are only eight players in that span who are averaging like a higher combination of those stats than Pascal Siakam. They are Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, John Morant, Trey Young, LeBron James, James Harden, Luka Doncic, and Nikola Jokic. Uh, And of those players, I'd say Embiid and Giannis, legitimate defensive difference makers. The other guys, I mean, LeBron can be when he wants to be, but, you know, he's certainly not max efforting his defensive impact right now. All those other guys range somewhere between fine and not fine. So Pascal Siakam, this is my long way of saying, Pascal Siakam has been (laughs) one of the very best players in basketball over the last six weeks. Yeah, he's been incredible. I mean, he had 24-11-8 against the Hornets, uh, 33-9-4 against Atlanta, 25-13-7 against Chicago. Again, these are just like the offensive side of things uh he's just making such an impact and it's like we talked about it a little bit last week like you'd be surprised at his usage in the fourth but then you realize how 
many plays he's making, like his passes and setting his teammates up. He has just been incredible. And it's awesome to see. It's really awesome to see after him having to miss so much time at the start of the season. And obviously we all know how, you know, basically the last two years have gone for him. Um, yeah, the combination of Pascal and Fred is pretty good. Yeah, when your best players are both playing at a legitimate all-star level, <clears throat> you have a chance to be pretty good. Uh, of course, Pascal Siakam not named to the all-star team, and as I mentioned up top, Lamelo Ball was named uh, as the replacement for Kevin Durant. I think, you know, we see the logic of that. Like, mm-hmm. Charlotte, as it was, Charlotte was the only winning team without an all-star representative. Uh, and I don't necessarily think that should be a the way the decision is made. But, like, barring an obvious candidate like a truly truly snubbed you know double underlying candidate i can see why that might have been a tiebreaker uh in my heart of hearts i like first of all i think jared allen was robbed i think mm-hmm. like if we're talking about the biggest quote-unquote snubs i think jared allen is number one for me uh just because i think frankly he's been the most impactful and important player on the Cavs. And who would you have who would you have swapped? So here's here's what I would say. Like, in my heart of hearts, I have, if I'm just picking the most important players mm-hmm. in the first 50 games of the season or whatever, I would probably have Jared Allen and Pascal Siakam in over Chris Middleton mm-hmm. and, uh, and LaMelo Ball. Um, beyond that, I, like... I could also see the argument for Drew Holiday over one of those two guys, or maybe even Darius Garland. Um, but I like I, I'm not like Siakam and Holiday are sort of two A and two B for me mm-hmm. in terms of the guys in the East who should have gotten in. Uh, I would probably lean Siakam because what like his just peak has been so impressive, like, so, like, top-level, all-NBA level, whereas Drew Holiday is, like, a really important player and a really great player, but it's not quite the all-around brilliance that Pascal Siakam has had. Uh, but, like, the first change I would have made is having Jared, Jared Allen, Allen in yeah. over the, either Ball or Middleton for I me. I think the thing with LaMelo is, and whether or not this should come into play, you know, you can have your own opinions, He's just a perfect all-star game player. Absolutely. He's That's electric, why I'm not, I, you know? I mean, it's one like, of many reasons I'm not that mad about it. It's like, like, sure, like air on the side of putting like a player who will be tossing awesome alley yeah. passes all day. Like it like, just, that, fine. that, that uh, didn't surprise me. Uh, still would love to see Pascal there somehow, but yeah, um, agree with you on both, both of those notes. Uh, but it, you know, the Raptors will take the play and not the nod. Uh, like it's, it is fine. He has been awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and frankly, he's kind of been the point guard of this team more and more, or the, at least the guy making the de- more of yeah. the decisions with the ball. Like he, you know, they're getting Fred Van Vliet off the ball in crunch time, uh, a ton and it's really working. And, and, and it's this really is, cool and, to s- go ahead. Go on. You go on. Oh, I was just gonna, sorry. I was just going to say, it's really cool to see how Pascal's game has evolved in that way. Like he's always been, you know, an okay passer, but like to see the way that he knows his teammates now and is setting them up is just, it's, 
it has succeeded. It has succeeded. That's not the word I'm thinking of. Surpassed. It has surpassed. Thank you, brain. Thank you, I knew Eric. where you were. I knew where you were going. <laughs> it has surpassed what I would have expected at this point of the season. And it's really, really cool to see. Yeah. And it unlocks what the Raptors want to do, right? Because like as good as Fred Van Vliet is, like he his his brilliance is not in playmaking or finishing at the rim. He is a good playmaker. <clears throat> he is a like fine like like certainly nobody would say his finishing at the rim is, is his best quality he's fine but but not elite by any stretch <coughs> at that it's his shooting mm-hmm. and it's his defensive reads and it's you know that that really make him stand out and the raptors finding a way to like invert traditional positionality depended on one of these big dudes and hope hopefully multiple of them but but at least one of them to be able to make these sorts of play for plays for his teammates and I, I don't think you know Siakam is a surprise in that he's been the first player to really be able to do that on a consistent basis like we've seen some nice passes kickout passes from OG Ananobi um but like he's certainly his hit rate is probably mm-hmm. I mean not not probably it's definitely not where Siakam's is but that that's the idea is you get Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent, your two best shooters, off the ball for one of these guys who can see over the defense to make plays. Mm-hmm. And and then you are, as they say, cooking with gas. Um Is that OG, the saying? I don't know. It is a saying. I don't know. Isn't if it's it cooking saying. with grease? No. Is that I not don't a think saying? So. I feel like uh there are grease fires, but I don't think you cook with it. Like, uh, anyway, we can uh, we can come back to this one, but uh, I, I maybe it's one of those things that like by region is different. I think uh, it might. But be. I I have I have never heard cooking with grease in my entire life. I'm seeing it says, "Is it cooking with gas or cooking with grease?" Now we're cooking with grass. Now we're cooking. Now we're cooking with gas. Now we're cooking with grease. Now we're cooking with heat. I don't know. I would mm. need to spend spend more time looking. To yeah, I'm betting that. it's the sort of thing that, depending on where you are and how you've grown up, you use a different phrase, and they mean the same thing, which means you have fuel to do the cooking. The Raptors have fuel to do the cooking, and they're cooking something spicy, Holly. Um, Wow, wow, spicy, (laughs) nice. Um, You have here uh, OG and Gary continuing to do the things they do. Do I have any thoughts on either of those two? My thoughts are that they are good. I I, I don't have like a ton of novel thoughts. Listen, I've been surprised with... I think what I would say is OG's defense, which I thought was not up to it, not that it was bad by Mm -hmm. any means, but not up to his, like, I don't know if you want to say standard or potential, because I think most Raptors fans think this could be one of, like, the top five perimeter defenders in the league. Like, I think that's his upside defensively. I think we are getting closer to that, whereas I think earlier in the season, for a multitude of reasons, maybe was getting used to the bigger offensive load. He certainly had the hip flexor injury that required recovering, um, but I think, like, especially in that game against the Bulls, um, not that Jamar had a bad game, he had a very good game, but I thought, like, there was such a noticeable difference between when OG was on him and when somebody else was on mm-hmm. him. 
I think for me, the biggest thing that has surprised me has just been OG coming up with really big shots late when the team has needed it. And then when I look at the box score after the game, it's like, oh, he has 20 points. <laughs> but I can only well, recall him hitting like yeah. three or four memorable What's shots. funny is in a few of those games, like OG has gone into the fourth quarter and he has like six or eight points and he's like two for seven or three mm-hmm. for eight or something like that. It's like, oh, OG is not really having much of an impact on this game. And then like, oh. Here's a stat. Like in that Bulls game, the two threes he hit in overtime right. were just massive shots. And I, I think one of them was a step back. Uh, so, like, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say they lose that game. Yeah, no, shots. for sure. So, it- uh, yeah, he's, he. I mean, these are, you know, very good very good starters, certainly, uh, and both with obvious room to grow. Uh, Holly? <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else, so I was waiting. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, they, they've been awesome. And obviously, coincidentally, so ha- not coincidentally, so have the Raptors. So my the op- next question was, coincidentally, yeah. are the Raptors good uh what uh, i'd like to know what's happening in my kitchen first and foremost but uh i have we'll, been we'll, hearing we'll, that but i wasn't yeah, sure i thought you yeah. were de- you were in the basement so i was wondering if it I, was no i am weird. in the basement oh, which, no, you which, are. which makes me wonder if if uh my wife is home or if my cat is causing havoc <laughs> Uh, we'll have to wait until the end oh my wife is home so okay. that's good um okay <laughs> The, Personally, I was ter- hoping for Nico to be having herself well, <laughs> an adventure. Uh, a time, yeah. Uh, what was your question, Holly? I'm sorry. I, I admittedly got distracted. <laughs> Are the Raptors good? <laughs> um, I think that ties into our next discussion, which will be about the trade deadline. I am sorry. And I must say, you quitted yourself very well last week in, in having a discussion that you didn't want to have. Um, are the Raptors good? <laughs> well, uh, as it stands, they are in sixth place. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is good. Well, And what uh, were our predictions at the beginning of the season? I said fifth. What did you say? I said, you said fifth? Yeah. Wow. I know. I said, like, I, I think I, I don't know if I predicted. I feel what like you had a big range. Would, I said they would lose in the play in tournament. In the play in, yeah. Um, so the Raptors are in sixth place. In offensive rating, they are 13th. In defensive rating, they are 15th. Uh, <clears throat> so that, you know, it still not screams out, but it still suggests this is like an average team based on the entire season. And. Why I want to stop short of saying the Raptors are good, (laughs) all caps, exclamation mark, is because, like, in that, like, the five games, I'm in the process of writing my trade deadline piece, Mm -hmm. in the five games leading into the Charlotte game. So they obviously went 5-0 and because they're on a six-game winning streak now. That's how streaks work. Um, But in those five games, they played 39 clutch minutes. Uh, which, if you do the math, is almost eight clutch minutes per game, uh, which obviously necessitates the plague of overtime, since Mm -hmm. in regulation there can only be a max of five clutch (laughs) minutes per game as defined by the NBA. Uh, They won those those minutes, 76 to 64, 
And like that, that's a healthy margin, but I, I also think like by that margin, the likely the likelihood is that they would have dropped a game or two among those five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like even in the context of them being fully healthy, they've needed, you know, as of and they have earned this winning streak, but they have needed more than their share of luck to come out with the wins that they have. Saying that, this is like the longest look that we've got at a fully healthy Raptors mm-hmm. team. I think some of those wins, particularly the two wins over Atlanta, they were more in control of and then sort of lost the plot a little bit down the stretch before taking over again. Even the Bulls game, they were in control of before mm-hmm. the fourth quarter and, and they sort of lost it a little bit there. Um so I, you know, I, I still, if I had to predict, I think they'll end up in the play-in tournament, but they are also a team that I believe has a bigger shot than I thought to begin the season at mm-hmm. giving any team a lot of trouble in a playoff series. And in the the right team, they could take a series off of, mm-hmm. uh, which, so so is that good? Like, I'll leave it up to you to define that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I feel like you have to look at what you thought the team was going to be or what outside expectations were of the team heading in to like, I think they have exceeded that for a lot of people. I mean, certainly this recent play has. Um, That's what I mean. And, like I, if they I, and I think like, if I remember the over under for the season was something like 36 and a half. Mm-hmm. So like they're most of the way there already. Uh, they are, what are they? 29 and 23 with 30 games left. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's say even, you know, somewhat negatively, they go 15 and 15 to close out the season. They end up as a 44 win team and comfortably over that over under. So let's go 50 yeah. wins. Let's be a 50 win <laughs> team, guys. Let's do yeah, it. No, they, they, they could go uh, 21 and nine in their last 30. It's totally possible. Uh, they do have a road heavy schedule mm-hmm. coming up, uh, which they have already started. Uh, and they have But hey, the Raptors have been left. pretty good on the road because. Yeah. Yeah. The, the time they struggled the most this year is when they were at home in front of a full At home arena. with so, fans. So like who wants that? <laughs> Just give them road games or empty arenas. And, can't beat this oh, team. Um, but I think, uh, I, I mean, I don't know the extent to which you want to answer your own question, but I think the are the Raptors good question heavily has to influence the trade deadline question. The next question. 48 hours because, or 60 yes, hours because or whatever, however many The one hours. thing, like, uh, I think you embrace, and even I like to embrace sometimes, like being a 
captive of the moment. Like you want to, especially when the moment is like this, you want to enjoy a six game winning streak. You want to enjoy, you want to think anything is possible because of the way they're winning games. Um, Me wanting to believe that anything is possible? No. Yeah. But it's Bobby Webster's and Masai Ujiri's and Dan Tolzman's and Teresa Resch's and all those people, the front office's job Mm -hmm. to look at things more holistically. So with that in mind, Holly, are the Raptors good? And how much do you let both how the Raptors are playing and maybe the way the East is playing out a bit differently than we thought, very differently in certain places Mm -hmm. how much do you let that impact what the raptors do over the next 48 hours yeah well i feel like i am more in the favor of doing something now than i would have been i should add i should add holly sorry to interrupt we uh i i just got off uh, about two and a half hours ago bobby webster spoke to the media uh and pretty much ruled out doing something big by which i mean like trading a core piece um, but you know, other than that, they're active and he acknowledged that because of the win streak, they're having a different conversation than they might've been having the last two mm-hmm. or three weeks. I think that's sort of important information for the listener to have. I apologize for disrupting, uh, interrupting. No, definitely. I was going to ask, uh, yeah, I sort of had that in my notes just that Bobby talked. Did he say anything? Yeah. <laughs> was that how I put it? But so that, uh, that is basically what he said. Yeah. We get into well, and that's basically what I was going to say too. Uh, um, about a month or so ago, I probably would have leaned more toward not making any sort of move. But now that you're seeing how the team is playing right now and the potential that the core has, glad to hear they're not like making any, you know, crazy big move or moving a core piece. But yeah, if there's an opportunity to add a player that could help you down the stretch, uh, would love to see it. Uh, The question for me becomes, we talked about this a bit in recent weeks, uh, do you want a big man? Do you want a perimeter player? Like I personally said I would like a shooter or someone that can like create their own shot over trying to, you know, have another uh, like traditional big, but I feel like the team may be going in the opposite direction. I don't know. Your thoughts? I'm not sure that's true. I I think... It's sort I feel of, like the rumors based on like well, what the team yeah, is interested in. Yeah. So I shouldn't and say I mean, the team. Jakob Pertle has been a name associated with the Raptors, and I don't want to go down every name. He makes some sense as a mm-hmm. big because he's he has the size to do some, you know, low post guarding, but he has enough agility so you don't have to completely change who you are defensively. And and I think that's why his names being associated in general. Like I think the Raptors are going to like barring a real like star becoming available. And and again, like we've, we were what 90 minutes removed from a trade that has Tyler Halliburton going to the Pacers and uh, Doma Sabonis going to uh, going to Sacramento. And for whatever it's worth, I think that makes two potential Raptors targets uh, Harrison Barnes of the Kings and Miles Turner of the Pacers. I, I think they're both less likely to move now because neither of those is a we're building toward the future move. Like the the Pacers, obviously a bit more just because Sabonis is more in his prime than than Halliburton. But you know they also could have gone the Sabonis route of like give me your picks for Sabonis, and they right. didn't. They got somebody who 
you know, reshapes their future and reshapes their core, but it's not like uh, we're okay losing for the next five year or three years trade, which is why I, you know, I, I think, and the reporting seems to indicate that Miles Turner probably isn't going anywhere anymore. Um, but I think it's not on to my original point, which happened like nine minutes ago. Uh, the, I, I think it's sort of like the draft in which the Raptors are thinking best available player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that obviously comes at a price point. It's like, you know, if the best, there's the best available player at Goran Dragic and a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Is that player, you then have to do the math, is that player so much better than the player you might get at Dragic and two second rounders that it's worth giving up the first rounder. And that's the type of math they're going to do. And I don't think that necessarily tilts them in one direction or another. But I, I think like those are the equations they're doing. It's not a positional thing necessarily in fact like i'm I'm fairly confident saying it's not a positional mm-hmm. thing it is a price point uh to some extent a fit like in terms of skills uh and the style they want to play more than like we need because i think that would be the biggest mistake the raptors could make is like we need a center for this series mm-hmm. against joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> therefore we will pay x price for that. Right. Um, because, as I just said uh, with uh, our friend Will Liu on, on Sportsnet, like, yeah, the Raptors aren't very well equipped to defend Joel Embiid and beat the Sixers, although they've given him, God knows, all the trouble he can handle <laughs> yeah. over the last few years. Um, but, like, so in some ways, that's the worst possible matchup. In other ways, it gives you one hell of an answer to your how far can this, you know, no seven-footer, no real true big swarming, pressuring defense take us. Like, that's almost the best information you can get is against a team like that. And I think there is more value in that than in chasing Right now, even if the Eastern Conference looks, whatever phrase you want to use, open or weaker or more chaotic, there's more there's more value in finding out more about yourself than in maximizing the potential to get to the second round this year. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know uh, where you were going at first, but I gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, I mean... I'm sorry for saying it in the most labored way possible. No, I, I really um, quickly wanted to but, just say, since we're talking about trades and trades that have happened, Norm, Norm Powell, back to LA. He's home. Yeah, good for him. And he seems absolutely um, thrilled about it. Yeah, I think he'll be thrilled. Game, he had so. a big big first game against the Bucks. Uh, I When has Norm not I had mean, a big game against the Bucks? Yeah, yeah. St- I think they lost, but you know, Norm Norm's always good Norm, for, though, you know, Norm's four, four for six, three-point shooting against the Bucks. Uh yeah, it's funny. I talked to him for that Fred Van Vliet story, and uh, he jokingly, I think, uh, I asked him how his dogs were doing, and he jokingly complained about uh, the rain, uh, the dogs not loving the rain, and and now... Uh, as, now they'll have lots of sun. Yeah, as uh, said by our friend Albert Hammond Sr., 
uh, it never rains in Southern California. Also, you mentioned the piece that you wrote on Fred Van Vliet, where you talked to a bunch of people. Just want to take this moment to say that Fred shouted that piece out in the press conference we were talking about earlier, saying it was a great piece. So that's nice. Yeah, that was uh, new. Fred, <laughs> he's not like the other NBA players. <laughs> um, he's a cool NBA player. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it was very nice of him to do and uh you know i i think we try not to be too dependent on external validation uh at the same time we don't want to feel like we're you know not to get too inside baseball but you know writers don't want to feel like they're writing into some void and and just throwing content out there to be consumed over and over again and well especially you know, a piece I, like I, i'm not i wasn't writing it for fred to enjoy i was writing it for readers to enjoy but that like it made an impact on him lets me know that i i got to something you know real about him so I, i'm very glad for that yeah it was very cool to hear him say some of the memories he had even forgotten about until he was reading them in your piece, which was really cool. And yeah, uh, what you said is true. But when you're writing a piece, especially a piece like that, where you're talking to a bunch of people from someone's life and childhood and past, uh, yeah, there's no better way to know that like you captured them than them saying, oh, yeah, I forgot about that until I read this great piece. So that was cool. And also just, yeah. again, shows that Fred is a super thoughtful, um, cool guy. Absolutely. Uh, let's get to some quick Twitter questions. Uh, right. Brenda, our old friend Brendan Stewart asks, is Holly so wrapped up in the current vibes that she somehow predicts a 10-0 record over the next five <laughs> games? I'll answer that. The answer is yes. Uh, uh, Nea, who helpfully per, uh, per wrote out the pronunciation of her name, so thank you, uh, Nea, and I hope I'm not botching it, uh, asks, what is the fanciest <laughs> dunk that you think OG will ever do? Oh, wow. Or is pin straight legs like entering <laughs> a body of water from a great height just too ingrained slash energy efficient? Wow. Well, I would like to read her. Um, I would like to read her just go long on an OG dunk because I enjoyed that descript descriptor there. <laughs> uh, honestly, I thought that his dunk uh, the other night um why am i blanking on who he dunked he, on it was like a two-handed dunk over somebody right it was someone was it over damar no it wasn't damar it, uh... oh my gosh charlotte atlanta chicago why am my i blanking eye. you're blanking too this is great great time yeah brains. well let's not spend any more time there anyway, it was a two-handed dunk over it, somebody but it was a very he dunked, i remember saying he dunked through somebody yeah same i think That's... it might have been Plumley, but i'm not positive anyhow i don't think it was i think it was whatever whatever let's not spend any anyway more time on okay it. this is just annoying me that I can't remember and that neither can you, because usually I can depend on you to fill in my brain gaps. Uh, I He was very emphatic. Like, the dunk itself was, like, you know, an OG dunk. But his yeah. face, like, I actually mentioned to someone, he, he had, like, this, like, almost roar on his face. And we never really get to see him, like, emote a lot. So it was a very aggressive and, like, you could see the reaction on his face as he was dunking. And I noticed that. And I don't know if we're going to see anything more than that. That may be the peak. Thoughts? Um, yeah, and also I love, like, the OG reverse dunk, 
so much. Like it just seems like a pull up at the gym. Yeah. Like, like I, it's just it's it's like an awesome display of he's so like, strong. Just strengths, yes. Yeah. Like, like low, like casual strengths. Um, like we'll definitely never see a windmill. Definitely. Imagine, uh, imagine if we no, did. <laughs> I, I can't even like uh like no ball like ball trickery like. Like it, I think the thing about OG is whatever he does, it has to be functional. Like, mm-hmm. like that. That's you know the thing. who would so never like, use props for a dunk in a dunk contest. OG, OG. and an OB would never yeah. use props. Yeah, he, he would just like do like just try to repeatedly break the glass with two with two handed dunks, or maybe not even that emph- emphatic. Like, uh, but yeah, so like maybe if it has to be functional, like maybe it's switching hands in midair which is obviously really hard to mm-hmm. do like maybe he goes from his right hand to his left hand to avoid block a shot blocker i'm trying to answer this question i i, I it would not be like a sex like any dunk of his that like made the highlight reels would have to be because of the defense that was like attempted to be being supplied i think because he was just concerned with getting the two points and not yes. everything else yeah uh our old friend shave asks uh what's going to happen first scory th- scotty uh sometimes he's scory but he, his name is scotty. <laughs> scotty scotty uh yeah is he going to throw a uh a look pass and that's a the opposite of a no look pass or will i go a full podcast without saying speaking of uh Ooh. i don't think i've said speaking of this podcast so shave, you can sh- you, you can shove either. it um i think i did when i did when i when i did the speaking of yeah anyway yeah but when you disrupted my great uh yeah uh yeah Um, yeah. scott asks how will covid impact the championship parade Ooh, uh depends on where the Depends on where that uh, parade will be, because <laughs> it feels like rules are very different. Depending well, they're, they're on where taking you it are. from they're taking it from Tampa all the way to Toronto, uh, all the way up the <laughs> I ninety five. Um, Tim, and this is the last one we'll get to, uh, and it's another inside baseball question. What's the angle for doing a presser with someone like Bobby, who tends to say not very much mm. despite a lot of words? What's the art of prodding to get what you want for stories? Um, so my my main thought is we're not going to find out who he's trading for, mm-hmm. obviously, but you can, and I think we did, we find out what the type of thinking is that informs what they're going to do. And by saying things like, you know, sure, we have flexibility to take on money at times this year, by saying something like Goran Dragic isn't being totally forthcoming about where he wants to go, that lets me know that it might be difficult to trade him mm-hmm. to a team that would have expectations of using him as opposed to buying him out. Um, just by saying, look, we were having a different conversation now than we were three weeks ago, that lets me know that maybe they're, you know, more, more inclined to be aggressive to, yeah. uh, than they than they were three weeks ago. So it's... It's about it's not it's it's about getting the general mindset more than the specifics. And I, I actually think if if you go back and listen to Webster's uh, press conference, you can find out quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. about what the thinking is, while acknowledging that you know the guy. And by the guy, I mean every 
single executive in this league doesn't say something in public without full knowledge of what it portrays right. the Raptors' position or their team position to be in. Like he said, when asked if they have to trade Dragic, she basically said, no, we don't have to. And they don't have to, but like obviously it's a not a very common opportunity to trade a big uh, mm-hmm. contract that is earning you zero on-court production at the moment for a piece that will eventually, um, or, or hopefully at least, provide you that on-court production. So they're they're never going to portray desperation uh, or neediness or anything like that. But beyond that, I think you can learn some key things. Yeah, I think you have to go into it knowing you're not going to get a direct answer to the direct question that you want. So you try to ask questions around that that will shed some light on the different factors that can then you can put the pieces together to kind of to kind of tell you what they're saying without actually directly saying it is usually the way to go. The more information, the better. So even if you're not getting that direct, like straight line question to what you want, um, all of the little pieces, all the pieces matter. Mm. Uh, Shout out Jonathan Abrams. Uh, Up next, the Raptors uh, play Oklahoma City on Wednesday. They're in Houston on Thursday, which doubles as the trade deadline uh, game. They're in Denver, or no, they're, no, they're home, home to Denver on Saturday, and I believe they're in New Orleans on Monday uh, to face C.J. McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, oh, yeah, the train. we think, Ooh. probably, and the New Orleans Pellies. Uh, so what are we predicting here, Holly? I said, are they going to push the streak to nine games? Could they dare? Um. So... Listen, they lost to OKC last time. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe that our old friend Shea Gilgis Alexander is out. Lou uh, Dort I, may also be out. I'm not sure if he played uh, last well, night, his, but, the, Sorry, go on. But he missed their previous game because of a nasal fracture. So I think he's day to day. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Ken Birch came back. Uh, that's a thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of nasal fracture. Oh, No! I broke my speaking of streak. Oh. Uh, shave, you got me again. <laughs> um, we'll try better next week. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's hard not to predict wins against Oklahoma City and Houston, although I think both have been a little spunkier lately than mm-hmm. uh, they might be given credit for. But I think the Raptors should ca- take care of both of those. Um, I'll say they will beat Denver before losing in New Orleans. Um, I think Denver's on a back-to-back as well, so... Yeah, Uh, that's my official prediction. Three and one, uh, if we're including the New Orleans game, which I think we are, because that's on a Monday, which means we'll probably record on a Tuesday. How about you? What do you think I'm going to predict? Four and oh for the Raptors in the next four games, says Holly McKenzie, uh, running their streak to 10, the first double-digit winning streak since the Raptors won 15 in a row. Wow. um, Back in uh, the Halcyon pre-COVID days, oh. the, the salad days of our lives. Oh, Holly. wow. Um, other than that, I mean, we got a trade deadline. My other prediction was, will the trade look different after the OKC game? So, after the deadline. Will the, tr- gonna... will the trade look Will, will the Raptors will the look team... different? Yeah. I'm trying to rush off because I know you have an appointment very soon, so forgive yeah. me. Um, I think they're making a trade. Uh, yeah. 
the question to me is whether a first round pick is involved mm-hmm. or not. But I'd be very surprised if they don't turn Dragic into a uh, guy who can contribute over the next few seasons. Agreed. And I, and, I mean, that's that not sexy. That, that, yeah. I, I mean, it depends. Like, there's not a ton of players out there, especially if Turner and, and Barnes don't move, that I think are objectively worth it. Uh, but but that that doesn't mean they don't say, well, in this case, it's worth worth moving. Was that an alarm um, or was that your phone? It was my phone. So uh, we right. should wrap up here. Let's wrap. Uh, so yeah, I think a trade is coming. Holly, uh, you also think a trade is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of what the roster looks like, we will be here next week to discuss how the Raptors are playing and uh, how the Raptors look in terms of their style, but also just the composition of their roster. Uh, Holly, continue to enjoy the, enjoy the Olympics. Uh, and uh, try to get some sleep while you're at it. I'll try. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, listeners. Uh, Enjoy the next few games. Try to stay sane during uh, and leading up to the trade deadline. See ya! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.